This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you for choosing to worship with us on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yes, go Niners, America's team, Jesus' team. <laughs> and if you're a Chiefs fan, this may not be the church for you. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding, people. It was a joke. It's just football. But today's Super Bowl Sunday. Everybody's getting ready to go eat a whole bunch of nacho cheese and guacamole and debate whether or not Taylor Swift is going to perform at the halftime show, I suppose. And uh, yeah, all of the things, right? But for the normal ones, like my brother and I, which by the way, it's so great to have my brother in town from Dallas, Texas today. Give it up for Jonathan Preston Chatham, the man, the legend. You're going to hear from him in just a moment. But uh, not to spoil anything, we're glad that you're here. But for the rest of, of you normal ones, like my brother and I, who are actually going to watch the game and who could care less about the halftime show or the commercials, uh, we're really excited that uh, the, the Niners might actually pull off a victory because four years ago, he came out and it was the Niners versus the Chiefs again. And for those of you that don't follow football, just, just spare me a moment here. But it was the Niners versus the Chiefs, and of course, we did not win that game, so we're, we're still a little bitter about it. We're getting over it by the grace of God, with the help of God. But we're very thankful that hopefully today, Purdy, who is a believer, come on, somebody, a Jesus follower, a courageous man of God, will take us to the promised land. That's, that's our hope. So I just had to put that disclaimer out there for any of you that may care. And for the rest of you that aren't even going to watch football today, may the Lord have mercy upon your souls. <laughs> you know, the truth is, no matter what happens today, eventually, you know, the players, they're going to hang up their cleats. The performers are going to leave their stages. The lights are going to be turned off. Uh, all of the nacho cheese and guacamole at all of our parties is going to run out. And regardless of who wins or loses, someone's going to be left disappointed. But today, I want to stand before you as a messenger of hope to tell you about a hope that won't disappoint you, a hope that will not put you to shame. And I'm here to tell you that those who hope or place their hope in the Lord will never be put to shame. I like the way that Romans chapter 5 says it. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans. He says this in verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Say it with me today, peace with God. That means that our relationship has been restored again. Uh, peace or reconciliation with God means that the divide caused by sin has now been removed because of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of this wonderful gift we call salvation. And through salvation, we are justified. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse two, and we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is a church that believes that we are called to be a people of grace, a people that speak grace, a people that stand in grace, a people that receive grace, people that say, thank you, God, for your grace. And we rejoice, he goes on to say in verse two, in the hope of the glory of God. Verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because, Elizabeth already shared it this morning, God's love has been what? Poured out. 
It's been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Today, like I mentioned, I wanna talk about a hope that does not disappoint or put us to shame. The title of my message for anybody taking notes is the God of so much more, the God of abundant hope. Our theme this year, as Jonathan alluded to, is believing God for more in 2024. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? And we're believing God for more in the areas of the miraculous. We're believing God for more in the areas of salvations. We're believing God for more in the the realm or area of generosity. We're believing God for more in the realm of the supernatural. We're believing God for more in the realm of his glory and his presence. We're just pressing in. And Ephesians 3 gives us the permission. Paul says to the Ephesians, his church, he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine, beyond measure, according to his great power at work within us, may glory be given to Jesus Christ in the church and in all the generations forever and ever. To him who is able to do immeasurably more. We believe that we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more. And I'm here to tell you today, he's not only able, he's willing. We serve a God who is able to do it. And for some of you, you're like, that's nice. I'm glad that God is able, right? He hasn't met a rock that's too hard for him to lift yet. But I'm here to tell you he's also willing because he loves us and because he wants us involved in the game. He doesn't want us on the sidelines of our faith. He wants us active in advancing his good news, active in advancing his good kingdom, active in proclaiming his son's name and bearing forth the glory and presence of his spirit, active in doing the things that he wants to do through us. The immeasurably more, say more. Turn to somebody and say, I see a whole lot more in you today. Oh, I see it. Some of you got a little nervous there for a moment. That's all right. We believe it. God gives us permission to believe him for more. And so today I want to encourage you into more. I want to encourage you to get your hopes up again. Regardless of this year's election outcomes, come on somebody. Regardless of what wars are taking place or may transpire, regardless of what happens in the markets, As the people of God, you and I are actually called to anchor our hope to a different reality, to something more permanent, something more eternal, something lasting and unshakable. I'm talking about our unshakable kingdom and I'm talking about our unshakable God. And in doing so, I believe God really wants to help us and he wants to help us as a church to build our hope on what actually matters and what is gonna remain. You guys remember the old song? All else is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. Today, I wanna encourage you and help you to anchor your hope to the solid rock. His name is Jesus. And no matter what happens this year, we have a hope. We have this anchor, the Bible says, for our souls. Jesus, the hope of glory, living in us, indwelling within us by his Holy Spirit, the embodiment of hope, The very first message we ever preached as Courageous Church was hope has a name and his name is Jesus. We believe that we serve a God who is the embodiment of hope, a God of abundant hope. And to begin, I wanna contrast what we see in the world with what we see here in scripture. Paul has a very particular view that he's pointing out to us in Romans five, but it's very different than what the world presents us as hope. Sometimes I think the world presents us a view of hope that looks more like optimism or wishful thinking. Do you guys agree with that? 
Uh, I see this in, in what I like to call the when I wish upon a star syndrome, okay? Not to offend any, any Disney lovers today, but I'm here to tell you that the, the world's version of hope often causes us to wish upon a star. We're sending out good vibes. We're, we're sending out frivolous prayers. We're just tossing them out into the universe and we're hoping that something good will come our way. That's wishful thinking, that's not hope. Because real biblical hope is the invitation to anchor ourselves to a person. And that person, his name is Jesus. When we, have, when we tether our hope to something eternal, when we tether our hope to something more rooted, we begin to discover the life that God actually created us for. And number one today, our hope depends on his goodness and love. Our hope depends on God's goodness and love. Listen to the way David says it in the Psalm. Psalm 25 verse eight boldly declares, the Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. You see, the author of every book, every prophecy, every poem, every declaration, every saying within our scripture shares this core conviction. And that core conviction is this, that God is ultimately good. Now, for some of us, we've had our view of God misshapen by people that sometimes mean well. Or perhaps you had your view of God shaped by a parent or a teacher or someone who had influence in your life that maybe let you down or misrepresented the heart of God to you. And the idea of having a hope that doesn't disappoint or put you to shame might even seem a little far-fetched to you today. But I'm here to tell you that God is good. In fact, the Apostle John, the, the person who spent the most time in proximity to the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who often referred to himself as the beloved disciple, the one who Jesus loved, had this to say about God in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He said this, this is the message that we heard from Jesus. This is, this is what I heard Jesus talk about when I was with him. And now we're going to declare this message to you. And here it is. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. I want to say it again. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Friends, if we trust that God really is good and that there is no darkness in him at all, then we will not waver in our hope, but remain steadfast in it. And that's the invitation for us today, to grab a hold of an unwavering hope, a true and lasting hope, hope that is found in the goodness of God. Let me encourage you this morning, God is good. Now for those of you that may have been following Jesus for a while or for a moment, you may have heard other Christians or bumped into other believers who've said, God is good, and then someone shouts from the back of the room, all the time, and all the time, and then someone else shouts out, God is good, right? And I wanna tell you, oftentimes we like to say that when things are going good, when things are going our way, right? We just got a promotion at work, we're like, God is good. You got that parking spot right up in front? Trader Joe's or... Whole Foods or, or Dan's, I don't know where you shop, and you're like, God is good. But what about when you find out you got cancer? Is God still good? Yeah, he is. And we'll get to that in a moment. Our conviction must be what the authors and writers of scripture shared, that God is good no matter what, that there is not even an ounce or a tidbit of darkness in him. Now, if you're anything like me, sometimes you wrestle with that. Sometimes you have doubts, sometimes you have thoughts like, God, are you really this good? 
Do you really have good in store for me? Do you really want things that are good for my life? But I want you to listen to what David also had to say in Psalm 23. One of my favorite Psalms, he says this about God's goodness in verse six. He says, surely your goodness and your unfailing love, there's that word again, will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell or live in the house of the Lord forever. You see, David knew firsthand about God's goodness, but it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows for him. It wasn't always cotton candy and peanut butter cups. I'm just naming some of the candies that you're welcome to bring me if you love your pastor. <laughs> it wasn't always an easy go. In fact, David spent time, in addition to being pursued by God's goodness and love, he spent a lot of time being pursued by his enemies living in caves, being sought out by the disgruntled and the complainers, the bitter in soul, the Bible says, the cave of Adullam. He spent a lot of time being despised by kings and by lovers. Even his own family members often hated him, didn't understand him or worked against him, but his confidence and his hope in the Lord remained because it was built on God's goodness and love. And he knew very rightly that the goodness of the Lord and that the love and the unfailing love of God was pursuing him all the days of his life. All the days, not just some days, not just on days when he had his act together and was worshiping and singing psalms, but also on the days when he made major mistakes and did horrible things. The goodness of God was still in pursuit of his life. And I wanna encourage you today the goodness of God and the love of God is in pursuit of your life. He's chasing you down with his goodness today. He is in love with you today. He wants a relationship with you today and he's calling out to you this morning. So number one, our hope depends on God's goodness and love. And in the same way, number two, our hope depends on God's glory and strength. Our hope depends on God's glory and strength. Isaiah 40, verse 31. One of my favorite texts says this, but those who hope in the Lord, that's the key. For those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their what? Strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It goes on to say, even young men grow tired and weary. This verse means that no matter where you find yourself as a young person, as an older person, as a new believer, as a more seasoned believer, as a man or woman, that your strength and that your hope is built on his strength and his glory this morning. And it's my firm belief that our hope is only as strong as the thing that it's depending on. It's only as strong as the thing that it's depending upon, which means that we also have to tether our hope to his glory and his strength. In the New Testament, there's this word for glory that I've come to love and really understand. It's, and it's the word, the Greek word doxa, D-O-X-A, doxa. And it means weight. It's the weightiness of God for our lives. And when we typically think of glory, we typically think of fame or we typically think of notoriety. We think of who's gonna be performing at the halftime show and how many followers on Instagram they have or how many TikTok views they have. But it's really about the weight of a person, the significance of what they carry. And when the Bible talks about the weight or the glory of God, it's talking not just about his 
fame, although that's true. It's talking about the weight of his presence, the weight of his person, the significance of the full measure and stature of who he is and wants to be in our lives. And I want you to notice the connection here between power and strength and glory. Paul says this in Romans 5 too. He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let me say it again. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And when he says this, he's trying to draw our attention to the fact that our hope needs to be anchored to the full weight and the full measure and the full stature of God, including what only he is able to do, meaning his abilities and his strength, not yours (laughs) and not mine, certainly. See, I think a lot of the problems we face today in our lives and in our culture, in this cultural moment that we're living in, come from misplaced hope, where we've misplaced our hope, or we've put our hope in other things. We've attached our hope to things that fade, things that don't last, things that look a whole lot more like hype and not hope. Anybody know the difference between hype and hope? Anybody ever heard of what's called a hype man? Okay, so for those of you that have never experienced what a hype man is all about, or you've never been to a rock concert or a rap concert, or perhaps it's been a while, rather than tell you what a hype man is and or does, I've asked my little baby brother Jonathan to demonstrate this for you. Are you ready for it? Let's hit it. Yo, DJ, throw my jam. All right, everybody. We got a left side, we got a right side, and I wanna see you get a little excited in this church today. Can I see some hands up over here? Put your hands up, put your hands up. If you're a little bit tired, put your hands up. All right, all right, that's a little bit, a little, little cranky on there, right? Let's see, over here. Let's see, let's see some arms, put your hands up. There we go, come on, give me some music, give me some boots. I know you in the back, Bleacher, let's go. Here we go, some of your arms haven't been up this high in a while, that's all right, we're gonna lift it up. Come on, man, let's see you, get it up. Ah, uh, it's, it's a little quiet in here. You need someone to get a little, little crunk with it. Oh, let's go. There's a little noise. There's a little noise. <laughs> Come on, are you ready for today? Make some noise. Woo! <laughs> All right, cut that. Get that out of here. Holy Spirit, come back. Holy Spirit, come back. Ah, uh, thank you, Jonathan. That's a hype man. (laughs) And we all love the hype man, don't we? Oh yeah, we love the hype man. The hype man gets us hyped. But how many know there comes a time where the hype starts to fade and it starts to wear off and all of our emotions and all the sensationalism and all the things that come along with that package begin to dissipate and disappear. But God is not a hype man. He's a God of hope. He invites us to place our hope in his glory and in his strength. I also love the way David speaks about this in Psalms chapter 27, verse one. He actually really made this his life declaration. And for some of you, this needs to be your life declaration this year. It says this in chapter 27, verse one. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let me ask you this morning, is the Lord the strength of your life or are you still placing your hope in your own strength and in your own ability 
Or are you still leaning into hype men and hype events and, and hype things? You know, some of us have, have pursued relationships that way. Where at first we were attracted to the hype of it. We're like, wow, shiny, fresh, makes my heart flutter. I get excited, I jump around. <laughs> but then after the hype starts to wear off, we're like, next. Some of you have, have pursued churches this way. You've shopped for churches, looking for that church that's gonna give you the best show, the best programs, the best gourmet coffee. <laughs> Which is why we give free tickets to go to Honeysuckle Coffee Company <laughs> in Salt Lake or Sandy. Just a shameless plug right there. That's some good coffee, y'all. You gotta get down there and try it. Free coffee at the Connect Center, get it. But for some of us like that, those are ways in which we've, we've banked our hope and our expectation of what we're looking for, what we want God to do. And we're anchoring our hope and we're looking for things that look more like hype than hope. When what God is inviting us to is to anchor our hope to his glory and to his strength, which is why we don't apologize about being a people that are passionate about worship. We love the presence of God at Courageous Church. We love stepping in, and I know sometimes it takes a few songs to get there. And it doesn't matter if you've got a voice that only Jesus loves, your worship is beautiful to him. And his presence comes when we seek him and when we press into who he is and when we allow him to be the strength of our life. I don't know about you, but in 2024, I want that to be the life declaration that I hang on to, that Lord, you would be the strength of my, my life. And you know what comes on the backside of that? Confidence, security. David says, of whom shall I be afraid? He didn't, unwa he didn't waver in his, his hope because he had this strength for his life. Our hope depends on God's glory and strength. And then finally today, number three, our hope depends on God's plans and process. I'll say it again for those in the back. Our hope depends on God's plans and his process. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the, the most famous passages on hope has this to say. This is the Lord speaking to the prophet. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. The Hebrew word used here for hope is also very interesting to me. It's the word kavah. And it literally means to look forward to with eager expectation. Can I say it again? It means to look forward in your life eagerly with expectation. For some of us, we got our hopes up and we are disappointed when we didn't see the results that we wanted or when that person stabbed us in the back or when that spouse walked out on us or when things didn't work out the way we wanted them to and we said to ourselves, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm never gonna let my heart out again. I'm never gonna get my hopes up again. And I believe the Spirit of God is in this place today to encourage you, it's time to get your hopes up. It's time to get your hopes up. It's time to look forward with eager expectation, with bated breath for what God wants to do next. For some of us over the last few years, it's been a struggle, right? COVID was challenging, inflation's challenging, the cost of living has all risen because Californians like myself came. <laughs> and we're like, I can't afford a house now, thanks California. But it's, it's tough, it's challenging. And all of us have experienced it in different ways. And for some of you, you've gone through challenging situations. You've lost loved ones, friends. I don't wanna trivialize it at all. But the Lord is inviting us in this year, as a church, as a courageous people, 
a people full of the courage, healing hope and life of God to get a forward looking expectation for what God wants to do next. You ever parents take your kid on a road trip? Yeah, sometimes it it can be work. (laughs) Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But you ever bump into that moment where you've done something really cool and they're excited about what's gonna happen next? Like, what are we gonna do next, dad? What are we gonna do next, mom? And you're like, I'm exhausted. I'm gonna, we're gonna take a nap. <laughs> like, that's what we're gonna do next. Some of you today after service, you're gonna go right into nap mode and may the Lord add a, a blessing to your, your rest. But one of my favorite things that happens and it doesn't happen as, you, as much as it used to is when my, my kids after, after something fun, you know, I took my, my daughter ax throwing the other night, which was super cool. Uh, fathers, I recommend you take all of your daughters axe throwing, especially as they're about to turn 16. And uh, we practiced her aim and it was great. She beat me actually, last throw, bullseye, bang. And it was so much fun. And she turns to me and she goes, dad, what's next? And I was like, well, I better come up with something. <laughs> Cause this was it, honey. <laughs> all right, we're gonna go get some sushi, let's go. You know, and we did. And then she was like, what's next? And I'm like, ice cream, let's go. And then we had the ice cream. She's like, what's next? I'm like, we'll go home and play guitar. And it was so much fun. And I think sometimes as the people of God, we lose sight of that. We lose sight of what it's like to be a child and to, to run into our, our father or mother's room and to jump up on their lap and say, what do you have for me today? What's next? That's the kind of hope, that's biblical Hebraic Jewish hope that we're invited to have as the people of God, to step into this forward-looking expectation of God, you've got good things in store for my life. And what's interesting to me is that the Lord says this to Jeremiah in the midst of their exile, in the midst of them and the people of God living in Babylon. This wasn't, this wasn't a time in, their, in, in Israel's life where things were going great. This was, this was a time where things were really difficult and they needed encouragement. They needed a reminder that God saw them, that he had not forgotten them. And for some of you today, that's the the reminder you need. God sees you. He hasn't forgotten you. And for some of you, those dreams that you've held on to all these years, maybe maybe just, you know, hanging on to the last rope of hope, just going, I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I've I've still got a little bit left. I wanna encourage you, he sees you. And he wants you to continue to hope in him, to eagerly expect good things. And the truth is, I think sometimes where we get a little off and sideways is that we, we want God's plans, his good plans for our life, but we don't want the process that comes along with that. We want his plans. We often don't want his process because this is the process. Are you ready for it? Romans chapter five, verses two through four. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We like that part, but notice what happens or what comes next, verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, Jesus, I don't know if I wanna sign up for sufferings, but here's why we rejoice in it, Paul says. Knowing that suffering is not an end unto itself. And if somebody told you that, that you're somehow more holy or penitent or righteous because you suffer, sorry, that's religion, that's not God. Here's what God says. Suffering produces endurance. Some of your Bibles may say perseverance. And endurance or perseverance produces what? Character. And character produces hope. This is God's process. 
And sometimes we don't like this. We're like, we want to get right to the end. We want to get right to the good plans. And God's like, I know you do, but I got to take you through a process. And sometimes when we're going through it, it's easy to lose sight of that. It's easy to lose sight of hope because we're like, oh, we're, we're suffering. We're in pain. God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? We have all of our questions, don't we? Right. But God's taken us through a process. And that process is suffering and then perseverance and then character and then finally hope. Suffering, perseverance, character, hope. This is what godly hope is meant to be built on for your life and mine. Sometimes we, we try to eclipse the process and we, we get in the way of it. But if we'll be courageous enough to let God have his way in our lives and to trust the process, then we can trust, like he says to Jeremiah, that he actually has a hope and a future for us and that that hope and future are good. Sometimes when we go through pain, it can be really easy to just want a way out. I think that's why many of us in our culture today, so many people caught up in medication, drugs, alcohol, you name it, just trying to numb the pain, just trying to, to deal with the suffering because they can't see what's on the other side of it. You know, I don't like to go to the gym a lot. And when I do, I feel so much better about what happens after the fact. But when I'm going through it and I'm running on that treadmill, Lord help me, it's just awful. Like who wants to do that? For some of you that love treadmills and love running indoors, I don't understand you. But when I do it and I stick with it, not just in the month of January, come on, I start to see the purpose of it. Because God's Plans and God's process always leads to God's purpose. Can I say it again? His plans for your life lead you through a process that lead to purpose. Romans 8, verse 28 says it this way. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for their lives. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to the purpose for their life. Notice how it doesn't say God causes everything. And sometimes I think that's how we read it. We blame God. God did this. God did that. God caused this. It doesn't say that. It says God causes everything to work together. Not that God causes everything. Some of you that maybe are watching this online, listening to this in your car, wherever you are, maybe even here this morning, and you're like, ah, just the idea of like God really being good and the idea of him really being for me and the idea of him really having plans and, and, and good things for my life just seems hard to believe. And I want to encourage you today. God will take your pain and turn it into your purpose. He will take the things that you suffer through to bring and build in you endurance so that then that endurance leads to character and integrity. And that integrity produces hope. Real, lasting, divine, biblical hope. For some of you today, it just may be that you need a change in perspective to see it. I'm reminded of this little place in South Africa, maybe some of you have been there, called the Cape of Good Storms. Back in the 1400s and 1500s, if you know your history, and I'm a little bit of a history buff, so I'm not assuming that you know this, but if you do, you'll know that back then, there weren't a lot of shipping routes open from Europe to South Africa and to India. 
And so there were very narrow stretches that had actually been charted. And one of these little stretches around the tip of South Africa was called the Cape of Good Storms. And why they called it that was because the winds would blow across the southwestern coast of South Africa and cause these treacherous storms, these squalls. And all of the ships that would often pass through there, or I should say most of the ships that would pass through there, would get caught up in these storms and they would shipwreck. In addition to the storms, there were these narrow sections of coral reef that they had to circumnavigate to get through. And so they began to call this point the Cape of Storms. And it claimed the lives of hundreds of sailors and hundreds of ships. But I want to tell you, it also has a different name. It also goes by the name the Cape of Good Hope. Why would the Cape of Good Storms also be synonymous with the Cape of Good Hope? I'll tell you why. Because when a sailor finally made it through the channel, through the process, through the pathway, through the route, and he got to the other side, it opened up a brand new route to India, which brought great hope and great fortune to the many people that came after him. Despite how difficult it was, despite how dangerous it was, despite how treacherous it was, it produced a great hope for the people that came after him. Friends, for some of you today, that's exactly what you're facing. You're facing what looks like the cape of storms. And I'm here to declare to you that it is the cape of good hope for your life. It's the cape of good hope for your life today. I want to encourage us. That's the Lord's invitation to change our perspective when we go through difficult things. To trust and to place our hope in his goodness and his love to put our, our hope in his glory and his strength, to put our hope in his plans and his processes, knowing that it's gonna lead to a pathway of hope and purpose for our life. Hear my heart when I say this, I don't think we need to overcomplicate this. As a church, we like to talk about next steps being a simple way that you begin to move and grow in what God has for your life. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate hope when in reality what we're called to do is, is to take a next step. It's not a giant leap. It's not a blind leap. It's just a little step. One of the next steps that we like to take here at Creative Church is leaning into prayer, becoming a people that are passionate about prayer. If you spend any time with us, you'll hear us say that over and over and over. We believe in the power of prayer. And we believe that good things happen when we come together as the body of Christ, as a community of faith, to pray and to place our hope in God's goodness, love, glory, strength, plans, and process together. And today we're going to do that. We're going to come together in just a few moments and we're going to take communion. And I love communion because communion is this grand invitation to remind us of where our hope remains, in Jesus' blood, in his righteousness, forever. So, I wanna invite you to, in just a moment, step out of your seat. Here's what we're gonna lean into today, and here's, here's our script, here's our final prayer. And it's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And it was the prayer of this pastor's heart for his church, and it's, it's the prayer of this pastor's heart for this church today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and with all peace. Who could use a little joy and peace this week? Come on. As you trust in him so that, here's the reason, here's the purpose, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.